It's always an honor, always an honor to be able to be here at Southcrest. Those of you that have been around for a little while, uh, I, I'm like, I, I'm the guy that comes in once every summer. I think I've been here every single year for like five or six or seven years. I don't even know. I've been coming for so long. It feel like, I feel like when I walk in, this is just my second home. You know what I mean? Like this, I'm just a de facto member of this place called Southcrest. And seven of you are happy about it. Uh, the rest of you are like, I wish that big bald-headed man would go home. But uh, hopefully by the end of this service today, you guys are going to have a little bit of fun. And I know I know we had a great one uh, to kick this thing off at 9.30, and um, it's, it's an honor to be here. Like I just said a moment ago, I love your pastor. I love this church. I've loved it for a long time, and uh, I knew about this church before some of you even knew about this church, back when it was still a brainchild, but uh, now uh, to know your pastor, Sean and I go back a long time as well. And uh, he and I were student pastors um, at the same time at different churches, but uh, a long, long time ago, we traveled to somewhere, where we go? We went to France and England together, and so we spent a lot of time together uh, back in the day and have kept up a friendship over the years as well, and uh, now it's going to be able to easily continue uh, as he's the pastor here, and it's going to be such a such a great great journey for you guys. And uh, I got I don't I don't have as much time to preach here as I do at my own church, so we got to dive in, man. I can't do a lot of introduction stuff because I, I only got thirty three minutes at home. I got forty, so let's dive in. Acts chapter three. That's where we're going to go, and um, we're going to have some fun together. One of my favorite passages of scripture in the entire Bible. And one of the things that I love about it is that the season that the church, capital C, meaning the church at large, uh, the church at large was in a great season of ministry, expectations were rising, momentum was building. The Bible says that people were filled with amazement at the activity of God. It was an incredible, incredible time. Like, I feel like it's kind of like right now, you know, in the church world, we got, I think, two more Sundays worth of summertime or maybe one more Sunday after this one. I can't really remember. And then we kind of get back into our normal routines, our normal schedules. Everybody's back from vacation. We're here. Uh, it's going to be an incredible season. I, I feel like this is kind of talking to us. I think this is talking to you. I told, uh, I told your pastor what I wanted to preach. And uh, matter of fact, he told me what he wanted me to preach. And so I'm just doing what it is he, he told me to preach this morning, but uh, I think it's going to be, it's going to do some good. Pray for me though, because like right now at my own church, we have three in the morning and, uh, and they are watching on video the exact same message that I'm preaching live here. And then tonight at five o'clock, I'll be preaching live the message that I was preaching on video there and preaching live here. D- does that make sense? That's kind of what this day holds. So by the time I preach it live at five o'clock, this message is going to be good, you know, because I've had a lot of, a lot of time to preach it and, and, and get the kinks out. Acts chapter three, like I said, we got to go 29 minutes and counting. This is going to be the fastest message you've ever heard. You got to listen fast, man. Otherwise, otherwise we're just going to stay here for a long time and we'll have to go to QT for lunch. Here we go. One day in, in Acts chapter three, beginning in verse one, two words I love. One day. Let me, let me stop there real quick. We're not doing too good by the fact that I'm only at two words so far, uh, but I love the fact that it starts off and says one day because I believe that every single Sunday can be somebody's one day. Every single week when we open these doors, it's an opportunity for somebody that's far from God to experience life in Christ. It's an opportunity for somebody's life to be impacted and life to be changed every single week, not just Easter and Christmas. It's like, I've heard people say Easter's like the Super Bowl. 
No, every single week is the Super Bowl if you think about it correctly. That means you need to give 100% effort every single Sunday. Uh, Somebody told me one time, they're like, hey, why do you hype up your Sundays so much? And why do you talk about how every Sunday is going to be the best Sunday ever? If I'm the pastor of a church and I don't believe that every single Sunday is going to be the best Sunday ever, then why should anybody else believe that every Sunday is going to be the best Sunday ever? And if we don't go into church thinking it's going to be the best Sunday ever, why don't we go to a church where we start thinking every Sunday will be the best Sunday ever? You you know what I'm talking about? Like every single week has the ability to be the best week ever because it's a week where somebody's life is changed. People walk into your doors on their way to hell. They walk out of your doors on their way to heaven. That is a pretty incredible thing. So we, we, I don't got time for this. Here we go. Acts chapter three, beginning of verse one, every Sunday can be somebody's one day. And as a result, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon. Devout Jews would pray three times a day, uh, morning, three o'clock, and then again at sunset. And as they were on their way in to pray, it says in verse two, now a man who was lame from birth, that means that he was crippled. A man who was lame from birth, unable to walk, was being carried to the temple gate called a beautiful. The reason he was being carried is they didn't have wheelchairs. They didn't have anything like that back then. Somebody had to help him. He was unable to walk. Therefore, he was reliant on outsiders. It says this in the next part of this verse where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now, I I wish I could preach this part because it's so important, but I don't have time. Just notice his friends were positioning him in the place where he was most likely to hear from God. He was most likely to receive a blessing from God at outside the gates of the temple because religious people like to do things to try to get God to try to earn brownie points from God. Let's say it that way. What better way to earn brownie points from God than on your way into pray to throw some change into the basket of a man who was unable to walk. That's why they positioned him there because they knew there was going to be a lot of people. There were going to be a lot of people there three times a day and they were going after the religious people who were trying to earn the favor of God by doing something which you cannot do, but people still try it even to this day. But this is a different message and I don't have time to preach it. Just know that you cannot earn the favor of God because Jesus did not die to make bad people good. Jesus died so that dead people could live. He wants to change your life. Now, that's a different message. Now, here we go. It says they put him out there outside the temple, outside the gates of the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter says this, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I will give you. Now, you, you got to understand, if you're, if you're begging for money, the moment somebody says silver or gold I do not have, you're, you've probably lost their attention. He says, I don't have the thing that you're asking for. I don't have what you want. I don't have the thing that you think that is the most important thing in the world. And and let's be honest, finances are important. You need to have some of those. Uh, And as a result, when these guys come walking up, this guy was, uh, he was incapable of working. There was nothing he could do. There was no government assistance. There was no hope for this crippled man. He had to beg. And when these two guys walk up to him, Peter and John, and they say, silver or gold, I do not have, all of a sudden his, his mind and his heart drops just like it had so many times before because they did not have what this man wanted. 
But what's so interesting about it is he says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. You're church people. Some of you are. Not all of you are church people, but for this day you're church people because you're inside a church building. And so when you, when you say stuff like rise up and walk and you're inside church, people just look at you like that's normal. They just look at you like, yeah, rise up and walk. That happens every day. I see that. You know, I went to the hospital the other day and I was walking through and I just kind of did this with my hand and all the crippled people stood up and started walking. That's normal. What else you got for me, big boy? Don't, don't look at me like this is normal when you read the Bible and it says silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want you to stand up and walk. That is extraordinary. That is not normal. Do you understand? It takes a lot of faith to be able to look down into the eyes of somebody who was born without the ability to walk because they were incapable of doing so and to stand there and say, I want you to walk. I want you to get up. I want you to stand to your feet. Not, not like what we do now. We're like, yeah, man, I, I know I heard, about, I heard about your report from the doctor and you got cancer. I'm going to pray for your healing. That's wonderful. You should pray for their healing. But most of you aren't walking up to him and being like this. I want you to be healed. And then all of a sudden, expecting something to happen. Peter and John walk up to the guy and they say, I want you to, I want you to stand up and I want you to walk. And when he does, he reaches his hand down in faith. Peter does. Because it takes, let's be honest, it takes faith to believe that when you reach your hand down, a crippled man is going to be able to reach up and you're going to be able to pull him up and his legs are going to work. You, you with me here? That takes faith to believe that. It's one thing to say, I'm going to pray and I believe that you're going to be able to walk sometime in the next five years when I'm not here to find out whether or not you really can or not. But to be able to stand there, to reach your hand down in faith, and then the crippled guy, he's got to He's got a decision to make. What is it that I'm going to do? Is I'm gonna, am I going to be like, dude, shut up. I, I've went to every doctor I could possibly go to. I, I, even, I even went to some of those like health type nut people. I went gluten free for three months and sucked on lettuce every single day. That's all I did. And it still didn't help me not. You, you, you know, he had tried everything you could possibly try and nothing seemed to be working. And now all of a sudden you got this, you got this man, Peter, who he doesn't know reaching down. He doesn't know that he's going to end up being like a primary Bible character. It's not like he, he knows this. He doesn't have the foresight to know, oh, this is that Peter. He, he doesn't, he doesn't know who that Peter is. You know, Peter reaches down the man. He says, all right, man, if you got faith to reach down to pick me up, I'm going to have the faith to reach up and grab your hand. And it says in verse seven, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but every single week, our greatest desire, our need here at Southcrest Church, I, one of the things we love is that we have the ability to help other people up. That's what we get to do. We get to help people up. You know, when people are hurting, we get to help them up. When people have made mistakes, we get to help them up. When people are going through relational hell, we get to help them up. When people are struggling with the sickness, we get to help them up. When people that we meet at our, in our city or at our workplace or at our school or whatever the case may be, and they're far from God, we get to help them up. Every single one of us get to do it. See, I don't know about you, but for me, what I'm doing right now is pretty important. 
to be able to preach God's word to a bunch of people. But it's also very important. It's an important job what the band did before I ever walked out on this stage, lifting up the name of Jesus. The Bible says when you lift up the name of Jesus, he will, he will, he will bring all people to himself. But before that ever happened, there was people out there standing at the doors with a hand extended and with a smiling face on, and they were greeting you, and they were welcoming you. Long before that ever happened, there was people working out there in the parking lot. It's going to be 96 degrees today, man. That's hot. That's real hot. All you people that talk about how much you love summer, just remember that. It's 96 degrees. That is unacceptable unless you are inside of an ocean. 96 degrees is ridiculous. Like, that's like, it's, it's torturous. Sorry, my ADD kicked in. But there are people that are outside right now who were standing out there in 96 degrees, parking people, making sure that people get a good spot, making sure that our first-time guests have a good place to go, that they know how to get to where they need to go to, that they know how to get their kids to the place they need to be, that they know how to get into this room, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on. There's security people that are making sure none of you psychos get up here or do anything ridiculous. And if they do, they'll stick a shank right in your neck. There's there's people working back there with kids right now. You know what they're doing? They're helping people up. It's hard. You got to understand that it takes faith to believe that you're helping people up when you're holding a baby that's not even yours, that's been crying for the last 30 minutes, and you've been praying for this kid, and you've been praying for their family, believing that what you're doing right now, holding this kid that's not even yours. There's there's only one thing worse than a baby crying that's yours. It's a baby crying that's not yours, you know, and they've been holding this baby, praying for this baby, praying for their family. It takes faith to believe that what they're doing is making an eternal difference in the lives of people. Because while they're holding that baby, they're praying for that baby, and one day that baby's going to get a little bit older, and they're going to come into this place called Southcrest Church, and they're going to give their life to Christ. They're not going to remember that they had somebody praying for them five years ago, but they did. And now those prayers have been answered. For some of them, they're holding babies back there in the back, and while they're holding babies, they got a mom and dad who walked into this room, and they're giving it one last effort before they're going to get a divorce. They're far from God, but they don't even know it. They walk into this room because they felt comfortable leading their kid with you. And as a result of you taking care of them, they come into here. They hear a message about Jesus. They walk into this room on their way to hell. They walk out of this room on their way to heaven. And that little baby just got a brand new mommy. That little baby just got a brand new daddy. That little kid just got a brand new destiny as a result of what it is that you are doing in a place where you may never receive the credit for it. I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, you got, it's good. Let's clap. That's good. I tell our... uh I tell our people at Freedom Church all the time, I said, listen, here's what you got to remember. You got to remember the sermon starts in the parking lot. The sermon starts out there. People decide whether they're ever coming back to this church long before they ever see anything that happens on this stage. And so if you're out there and you're nice to people and you're doing your thing for the glory of God and for the good of others, you are able to help people up. That's why, that's why we want people to volunteer. It's not about what we want from you. It's about what we want for you. I want you to be able to be a part of that. I want you to be able to experience that. I want you to know what it's like to help somebody up. You're probably never going to look at a crippled person and tell them to start walking and for it to actually happen. But what you can do is look into the eyes of somebody that's far from God and then see the spirit of God invade their life through the power of the son of God. And when you do, you're going to be able to see a brand new individual because of the message of hope and the message of forgiveness and restoration and that is 
the message of the gospel. You get to be a part of it. It's not just what happens on a stage. It's what happens off the stage that enables what happens on the stage to even happen. That's what's happening here. You see, these people are saying this. They said, listen, I want to be able to help you up. I'm going to take you by the right hand. And it says they pull up. And when they do, instantly, the man's feet and ankles become strong. Now, when his feet and his ankles become strong, what, what is it that you're going to expect from a situation like that? If you had been crippled your whole life, and you're in your 30s, your mid-30s. I just, had a, I just had a birthday eight days ago, and almost, every, well, actually, every single one of you, you missed it, and you forgot to send me a present. But just for the record, if you're in your, if you're in your mid-30s, and you just had a birthday eight days ago, and even though everybody forgot your present, if, if somebody had told me if I had been unable to walk my entire life, and then somebody reaches their hand down and picks my big old butt up and sits me down on the stage, what do you think my response is going to be? Listen to what it says, it says in verse 8. He jumped to his feet. And he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts. Here's, here's what I think is so, is almost anticlimactic because what other response would you have? Walking and jumping and praising God. Now, doesn't that make total sense? What else are you going to do? If you had been unable to walk for all those years and now you can, what, what other choice do you have? I mean, if you're, gonna, you're probably going to be sitting there and you be like, my feet. They work. You know, that it seems silly to us, but if you had been unable to walk, I mean, this is a pretty big thing. You're going to walk around. You're going to jump. You're probably going to try skipping. Now, you ain't never even walked before, so you're going to fall right on your face, but you're going to get right back up, and you're going to do it. You're, you're even going to think falling is fun. You know what I mean? Because you ain't never fell before. It's going to be amazing. You're going to get back up, and nobody's going to have to help you, and you're going to walk, and you're going to skip, and you're going to jump, and you're going to praise God because that's the only logical thing. That's the only thing that makes any sense. When Jesus changes your life, you will respond in gratitude. If you're not grateful, maybe it means that Jesus has never changed your life. You ever met those crabby people, and they're crabby all the time, and it doesn't matter if something's good or bad, they're always crabby? You might not know them because they don't have any friends, but you, you, you know about them. You, you know what I'm talking about? If Jesus has changed your life, you've got something to be excited about. The reason that I'm on this stage preaching this message to you is because on April the 11th of 1996, I heard someone preaching. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And when I did, I did not become perfect. All things did not come together for me. All of a sudden, my life was not smooth sailing. But what did happen was my sin was forgiven. My life was changed. My feet were placed upon a rock. I got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I've got somebody who will never leave me and never forsake me and never turn his back on me and it doesn't matter what's going on listen that's why that's why I don't care if I look silly sometimes standing on a stage and preaching to all of you probably getting all red and stuff as a result of the fact that I tend to scream a lot and spit a lot the reason I do it is because if Jesus changed my life he can change your life 
And if Jesus can change our lives, I want him to change the lives of other people. I want him to change the lives of the people I go to school with. I want him to change the lives of the people I go to work with. I want him to change the lives of the people that live in the neighborhood that I live in. You know, I'll get better neighbors if I tell my neighbors about Jesus. Instead of complaining about my neighbors, maybe I need to tell my neighbors about Jesus. The reason they're half crazy crack smoking fools is because they don't know Jesus. If they know Jesus, I'll get a brand new neighbor. My old neighbor doesn't even have to move away. Jesus can move into the house. They don't have to move out of the house. You you understand what I'm saying? I want to help people up. I think that's the reason that we're here. I think the reason you're here is so you can help people up. You say, man, I used to help people up, but, but you know, now I'm, I'm a little bit older and I'm giving it to the younger generation. If God was done with you, you wouldn't be taking up space and taking up all the oxygen that I need right now as I'm preaching my brains out. You are still here because Jesus is not finished with you. You do not get to retire from the work of God in you and around you. You are here so that you can help people up. Say, how do I help people up, man? Give me something practical. You want to know the most practical way to help people up? You do what comes natural. And when Jesus picks you up, first of all, let me, let me say this. I got to do it so fast. I hate time clocks. In heaven, there ain't going to be no time clocks. But by the way, here, here's, what, here's what I believe. I believe there's a lot of people that you get this picture in your mind about how Jesus changes your life. And you picture yourself like swimming in the ocean. Like, oh, I can't swim. I'm in an undertow. Oh, it's terrible. And then all of a sudden, you probably don't say it like that. That'd be awesome though, wouldn't it? And then, and then all of a sudden, somebody throws a, a life preserver. Jesus, he throws a life preserver out to you. And then you grab the life preserver and Jesus reels you in. Come on in, child. Come on in. I got you. It's all good. Just hold on tight. That's how you picture it. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that once you were dead, dead. You ever seen any dead people swim? Come on now. It ain't no trick question. You ever seen dead people swim? Like I think so. I went to Panama City one time and there was this guy. No, you ain't never seen no dead people swim. I'd rather deal with sharks than swimming with dead people. You know what I'm talking about? Because if I swim with dead people, I'm going to be dead soon. Because I'm going to have a heart attack. The Bible says once you were dead, destined and doomed for hell because of your many sins. Jesus doesn't throw you a life preserver when you're far from God. Jesus reaches down just like Peter did, but he reaches to the bottom of the sea where you are hanging out lifeless. He picks your dead floppy butt up and he breathes life into your lungs, places your feet upon a rock. And where you once were sitting, now you are standing as a result of this person named Jesus Christ. Now, when you're standing and Jesus has made you alive, even though once you were dead, the only logical thing for you to do now is to walk around and jump around and praise God and let other people know how grateful you are for what it is that Jesus has already done for you. You don't even have to be that good at it. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't need to know every single nuance of theology or everything else. What you do need to do is say, I know a man. His name is Jesus. Let's go to a church. It's called Southcrest. And when we go there, you're going to hear about a man named Jesus Christ, and he changed me. He can change you. It's going to be amazing. Then when you start coming to Southcrest, because you got gifts and abilities that have been given you by God, and when somebody gives you a gift, it 
is intended that you use it. When somebody gives you a gift, you're not supposed to take it and say, thank you, and then sit on it for the rest of your life. You are to open the gift, and you are to look at the gift, and hopefully it's a good gift, and you like the gift, and you can smile about the gift, and it's not awkward because nothing's worse than opening up a gift in front of people when you do not like the gift, or you do not know what the gift is, but in order to be not rude, you have to pretend like you like it, even though you don't like it, and you're trying to figure out if you're being judged for the gift that you have just received and your response as a result. My ADD kicked in, but has this ever happened to anybody before? You understand? You are to use the gifts that God has given you for a purpose. And you use those gifts by getting involved in what it is that God is doing in the context of this church. One of the reasons churches struggle around the world, not this one, this is the growing, thriving, all that stuff, church. But one of the reasons that churches struggle around the world is because Jesus picks people up and places their feet upon a rock. And all of a sudden, they decide instead of walking and jumping and praising God, they decide to sit back down. What sense does it make? And what sense would it have made for that guy to have been made able to walk and now all of a sudden for him to say thanks and to sit back down in the seat that he had occupied for however many years? You and I would think, well, that's ridiculous. You should try out your legs. You should try out your gift. You should do and take the gift that God has given you and put it into practice so that you can help other people up so that one day or so that that day or this day can become that one day for somebody else just like it has become that one day for you. See, I think it's time for people to stop sitting and it's time for us to start walking. Now, I don't talk, I'm not talking about walking, trying to earn the approval of God, because if you are a follower of Jesus, God is already approving of you. He had, you already have his approval. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more and nothing you have done causes God to love you less. So whether you sit or you walk, Jesus will not love you more. Your church staff will love you more if you get to walking, but Jesus will not love you more if you start walking. But what sense does it make for us to sit back down? If Jesus changes your life, it's time to start walking. If Jesus changes your life, it's time to start using the gifts that he's given you. For some of you, he gave you a gift and you're nice and you're personable and you're a people person and you have an hour a week and you can stick your hand out and shake people's hands and say, welcome to South Chris Church. And you can stick a bulletin in their hands and people will actually like you. There's others of you that you like children and you like being with them and you believe in them and you want to love them and you want to love their family. And as a result, you can go back there and you can work with kids and it's amazing not everybody needs to work with kids because if you don't love kids chances are they don't love you back and if you don't love kids we don't want you to work with kids you know what I mean you don't even have to have a personality to serve in a church we can put you in the parking lot we can make you part of the security team you don't have to have a personality to be in the parking lot you just have to have an arm that can go like this that's all you need but it's important you see what I'm saying 
It's important. I, I joke around all the time with the people at our church because I always make fun of the security people and the parking lot people. I got security people. I got a guy that came with me today that serves on our security team. The reason he, one of the reasons he never got connected to church, number one, was because he wasn't yet a follower of Christ. But number two was because he wasn't nice enough to be a greeter and he didn't like kids enough to work with kids and he didn't think there was any place for him. No, I said, you're big. I want you to work with security. You get almost paid in order to be mean. You know, you know what I'm saying? To keep the house safe, to keep people safe. If you see somebody crazy, you get to take them out in the name of Jesus. There's room for all of you. You're like, I got a criminal record. That's amazing. Every single person on our parking lot team has a criminal record. I hope you laugh because you know I'm serious because I swear to you. This is the number one thing. When people come to us and they say, every single volunteer has to fill out a background check. And so when they get ready to turn it in, this is what they say to us. When they sign on the dotted line, they're like, here's what you need to know. As soon as they say, if anybody's getting ready to hand you a background check and they say, here's what you need to know, this is what we say. You're going to work in the parking lot. (laughs) We got a place for you. You, you can be like the nicest lady in the whole wide world and you, you're like, why, why, why would they need a background check? Because I've, nobody's ever bad and I love everybody and everybody's so nice. We got a place for the delusional people. We've also, we've also got a place for those that are half crazy. So does Southcrest. We want you to be involved. The reason we want you to be involved is because it's all about helping other people up. Listen to what happens when this guy gets up and he starts walking and jumping and praising God. There's a response that occurs, not just from the one who's been changed, but from the people who have been watching. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called a beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The reason they were filled with wonder and amazement is because this used to, got, this used to be the man who just hung out sitting. But now he was a guy who was jumping and walking. Listen, here's what you need to know. When you, who have been sitting in a seat, whether this is your first time here at Southcrest Church or you've been coming to Southcrest for six years and you've heard me preach six different times during the summer, which if you're here in the summer, man, you love Jesus even more than regular people, you know? Like you're here, you, you've seen this before. You're part of a move of God. You've seen what God can do in the life of a church. If you've been sitting in your seat, can I, can I tell you something? It's time for you to start walking. It's time for you to put one foot in front of the other and start serving other people. It's time for you to put another foot in front of the other one and start maybe being using the gifts that God has given you. You can use your gifts if you're 19 or if you're 89. You can use your gifts if you're 14 or 44. If you're a man or a woman, if you're nice or if you're not, if you have a wonderful personality or you God forgot to even give you a personality. God can use you in this house so that people far from God can experience life in Christ. It is time to stop sitting. It is time to start walking. Jesus has changed you. And the only natural response is to walk and to jump and to praise God. Listen to me. It is time for us to start walking. Say, it's time for us. That's terrible. Do it again. It's time for us. To start walking. It's time for us to start walking. Listen, I didn't even have to say it. You just said it. 
It's time for you to start walking. Here's what I want you to do. I want, I, no, 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 no. Here's what I, here's, here's what I want. I almost forgot something. In your seat, behind, in the seat that's in front of you, and if you're on the second row, you're going to have to get enough out to give to the people on the front row. You got something that looks like this, a little card that says, join the 4G team. I want every person in here, I don't care if you invented the 4G team. I want you to pull this thing out, every single one of you. I want you to pull this thing out. If you're on the front row, turn around and say, hey, second row people, give me one of those things. I want every single person to get one. Here's what I want you to do. No matter who you are, I don't care if you were here the day that this church was started or if this is your first Sunday here. here here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your name. I want you to put the, you know, I don't even care about the date. You can put the date if you want to. They'll probably want me to, but do whatever you want. Address, except for do what I say. Just do what I say. The, the name, the address, the phone number, and email. Listen, I, I don't want you to think that if you fill this thing out, everybody, no matter who you are, even if you've been volunteering every week for 10 years, I, I want you to fill this thing out. We're not going to take it. We're not going to show up at your house. We're not bringing 37 people in a pound cake and a bucket of love to come show up at your house on a Tuesday night. You know, that's real weird. I don't want to see you in your underwear diving behind the couch because you don't want nobody coming in. I don't want to come in your weird house. I don't want to show up in the middle of the night. That's strange to me. You know what I mean? Uh, So that's not what we're going to do. All we want to know is who you are. And then on the back, there are all these different, op- there's all these different options. Next gen ministry. That means everything from birth, I think, all the way through eighth grade. You got guest services. That includes people that are friendly and nice. And it also includes ushers, people who want to elbow drop people if they see anybody trying to steal money out of the offering. It includes parking lot people. Those of you with no personality, but your arm goes like this. I want you to be able to be on the parking lot team. If you want to be part of, you can see it. I don't need to read it to you. High school ministry, life groups, creative arts, worship, video, graphics, graphics, etc. whatever the case may be. I want you to put whichever one you think is like the most in your wheelhouse. Now, when you fill this out, it doesn't mean that you're signing your life away and you have to do it every single week for the next 10 years. Otherwise, you're going to die and Jesus hates you and you're never going to have any friends ever again because we're going to make you an outcast. That's, that's not it. It's just you marking what it is that you think you can do because of the gifts that God has given you. I want you to fill this thing. I bet we're going to have about 600 different parking people fill this thing out this week. You're like, heck yeah, man. I got a record as long as, you know, 14 pieces of paper. It's going to be amazing. I want you to, I want you to fill this thing out. Here's what, here's what I want you to do. Because remember, it's time to stop sitting and it's time to start walking. That's the plan. That's the goal. I want everybody all across this room, I want you to stand to your feet right where you're at right now. Here, here's what I want from you. When Jesus changes your life, how many of you, at some point in your life, Jesus has changed you? It doesn't mean that you're the person you want to be, but you're not the person you used to be. If Jesus has changed your life, raise your hand up. Raise your hand up. Good, 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 good. Put it down. When Jesus saves you and when Jesus picks you up, the only logical thing for you to do is to start walking. Matter of fact, if you, if you are already a volunteer here in the life of this church, what I want from you to do, or what I want for you to do, is I want you to, to write right here at the top. I just want you to write already walking. That's what I want you to write. I want you to get a pen out or a pencil, lipstick, mascara, get a needle, poke somebody beside you, get their blood, and just write already walking. That's what I, that's what I want you to do. Whatever it is you got to do, just write already walking. That means I'm already a volunteer here in the life of this church. And here's what I'm going to ask. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I want every single person that is physically able, every single person in here, doesn't matter if you're on the back row, front row, middle row, well, you know, whatever. If you're young, old, if you are physically able, I want you to take this card 
and I want you to come and I want you to put it right here on this stage. You don't have to do it nice and fancy. Matter of fact, we got to do it fast. So just come up here and kind of like throw it if you need to. You know what I mean? Like there's volunteers who have already started walking and they'll pick these things up at the end of this service here in just a moment. You understand what I'm saying? So every single person, I want you to come and put it down. It doesn't mean you have to do it every week for the next 10 years. But right now, here we go. Let's just count to three. One, two, three. Let's go. I want every person in here to come and bring these things down here to the front. And it's saying, I, I want to be a part. I want to start serving. I want to I be involved in what God is doing at South Crest Church. I've been sitting long enough. It's time for me to start walking. Whatever that looks like for you. Come on down. Every person in here, if you can, I want you to come down here and be part of a move of God called South Crest Church. amazing to have several hundred or a couple hundred new volunteers right here at the end of July during the middle of the summer and all of a sudden it will position you for what it is that God has for you moving forward. I don't know if you know this or not but I really believe I believe the best days for South Crest Church are in front of her. You believe that today? You believe that? You believe the best days for this church are ahead? I want you to clap your hands right where you are. These things are everywhere. There's a bunch of them. Come on up. Continue coming. Don't worry. I'll, I'll stand up here and make up words to say until it's time. We'll go about four minutes over, but I think it's worth it to pick up 100 or so volunteers. Don't you think so? Like at the end of July, to be a part of what it is that God wants to do here in the life of this church. I believe... I think I've preached this message, not the message I preached today, but a different message to you. Listen to this, those of you that have already done this. We can pray for a move of God all day long. I don't want to just pray for it. I want to be a part of it. The people that are a part of a move of God and the churches that are a part of a move of God are the ones who, while they're praying, are busy preparing. You can't go to the next level of reaching hundreds or thousands of more people if you do not have the necessary things in your house for God to continue to pour out the oil. In other words, every single person that's in this room that makes up this house is part of the body of Christ here at South Crest Church. You've been given a gift. God wants you to use that gift in the context of this house. And as a result, what happens is when we all come together like that, God begins to expand our capacity. And when he expands our capacity... We can pray for the blessing of God. And as our capacity increases and the blessing of God continues to increase, there is no stopping what it is that God wants to do in this place. I believe that the best days for this church are ahead of her. You have not seen anything yet. What you've seen in the past, don't ever discount it because it's been a miracle. God has been very, very good to you. But you are just getting started with what it is that's going to happen. I can't wait to come back here next year. I'm I'm inviting myself. I'm coming back next year in July. And when I do, I want to see this house so full of the way. We're having three worship experiences, seeing lives being changed. It's going to be an incredible thing. Matter of fact, there's some of you maybe in this room. Here's what I want you to do. Go ahead and have a seat real fast all over, all over this this place. There's some of you that are in this room. I, I need you to know this. The most important thing 
The most important decision you can make is not the decision to volunteer. The most important decision that you can make is the decision, if you haven't already, to give your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father through him. It's, it's not about religion. If you've ever heard that, it's a lie. It's not about religion. It's not about church attendance. It's not about money and the offering. It's about a relationship with God through his only son, Jesus Christ. Here, here's what I want to do. If you're in this room and you need forgiveness, you, you need God to come into your life and to make all things new. You've never placed your faith in him. You've never placed your trust in him. You've never asked him to come into your life and save you. I wanna give you that opportunity right now all across this room, if you would, just bow your head and close your eyes. Just like Jesus did for this man who had been crippled, Jesus wants to set some of you free today. If that's your desire, you wanna be set free from your sin and you want God to make all things new in your life, pray this with me as I prayed out loud. Just pray it in your heart. Say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know you died on the cross for my sin. I pray that you would forgive me of my sin. You would come into my life and you would save me. Lord, the best way I know how, I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus. Lord, I place my faith in you. I place my trust in you. I place my hope in you. Thank you today for saving me. Thank you today for changing me. Lord, you are the Lord of my life. 